0: the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life and now i present to you the one the only
1: rapid results with andrew wise Welcome back to another incredible episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. We have an incredible guest today, Di Manuel. And I selected Die as a guest today because just the energy he brings, not just to his social media, but his real life endeavors are just so incredible. And so a little bit about Di, he is a super dad dating his wife with the lead by example way of living. He's passionate about leading a functionally healthy life through education, encouragement, and community. He's an award-winning digital thought leader and author, distinguished Toastmaster, TEDx speaker, and edutaining keynote speaker, former partner, and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar retail company, as well as a sought-after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach. On top of that, he models his work based on the five Fs, fitness, family, faith, finances, and of course, Fun. And he's excited to give you some nuggets of wisdom today to take action to be your best self. Guarantee when you connect with him. So, with that said, Di, welcome to the show. Tell us <laughs> what is the biggest, most badass professional accomplishment you are most proud of.
0: You know, Andrew, first of all, awesome to be here, brother. And, uh, I love, you know, I'm just matching your energy straight up. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love to listen to a couple of your other broadcasts and I I knew I got to bring the energy today, you know? So, Uh, so, so thanks for, for being just a great role model on that front. I, you you know, when it comes to professional endeavors, yeah, I've, I've had a few check marks, but I've also had a few X's. <laughs> but if I'm yep. talking to the check marks, I, I'm really proud of one of my first companies. I was a co-founder of and We scaled it to eight figures a year. And you know, I, I was part of that company for 17 years, learned a lot about the industry, a lot about sales, a lot about managing a team. But what I'm actually most proud of as a result is that even though I was doing that and literally struggling with the juggling, Of all things that is life, I was able to maintain an amazing relationship with my wife. We're now going into 23 years together, continuously dating, but also was able to raise two very amazing kids who are now 18 and 20 years old. Oh, my goodness, dating myself. Uh, Two daughters, you know, and and so as much as I was very involved with scaling a business, developing a big team, I was able to maintain the things that truly are most important, you know, which was my relationship with my family, but also maintain my health and well-being especially my mental health. So not with that struggles, but that's what I'm really proud of. Cause I, you know, we hear a lot of the opposite on that. Don't we, we yeah. hear about great. I went all in on my business, scaled, very successful, but then on the personal life, we tend to suffer. And so I'm really proud of that. I was able to maintain that. Not only that I'm 46, I'm the fittest, healthiest and, and most mentally healthy I've ever been in my entire life, but it doesn't come without a little bit of work, you know?
1: And I love that. And I'm excited to dive in more about that. Um, so uh, you know, we're going over the hero's journey here at the top of the mountain. You're like, I've done it. I've created an eight-figure business. I have a healthy relationship with my wife. I have two amazing daughters who are at university. Um, so you figure out how to get the, the trifecta, essentially. Um, how the heck did you know how to manage all that and balance all that? And what, what does that look like to achieve that?
0: <laughs> well, the least efficient way of learning, draw by air or draw <laughs> by fire, right? Like, yeah. I mean, all of us, we... we we can either learn from our errors or we don't (laughs) kind of doomed Mm -hmm. to repeat them as the cliche goes. But uh, for me, I was just very fortunate that I've had some pretty good mentorship in my life. Some great coaches, some wonderful examples of just people that are excelling in many ways, in ways that I wanted to excel. You know, like I mean, look at your podcast. I mean, Andrew, I look at the conversations that you're allowing all of us to be little flies on the wall. I'm listening in on, I mean, this is how we learn and grow right? As a society, as a culture, as individuals is, is getting access to this wonderful information and, and literally roadmaps, right? Mm-hmm. But we still have to do the work. We got to embrace the work. We got to understand that as they, that the saying goes, I'm a big fan of CrossFit, compete in that myself. And uh, as a result, you know, it, the, one of their sayings that, that you'll see it on a t-shirt, you know, is embrace the suck. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I got to say, there's times where, yeah, was I questioning everything that I was doing? Hell yeah, mm-hmm. but. It was the more that I leaned into it, the more that I was pushed back on, the more I would double down on my efforts, you know, and and sometimes push through that hard stuff. But it it, it did come through trial by fire at times. But here's the thing. When I was able to finally start opening up, and this is going back about 14 years ago, when I was able to get vulnerable enough to start asking for help, Mm. not only of my peers, but of other individuals, not only for my personal, but also for my professional life, that's when things really started to shift for me. And, and to be honest, uh, I was the kind of guy and the kind of people I hung out with. Uh, if, you, if people have listened to my TEDx talk, you'll know that I struggled with alcohol, which also led to narcotic use, also led to stuff that I'm not necessarily proud of doing, but I'm not mm-hmm. afraid to admit it. Yeah. But I was also someone that was very concerned with ever asking for help because I always thought that would show me as being potentially weak or maybe open up a doorway to be taken advantage of. And also, mm-hmm. I would often look at other men as competition based mm-hmm. on my own insecurities. You know, and and so those were all things I had to work through. And and as I worked through them, it was amazing how resistance sort of fell away, but resiliency went up. And uh, you know, fourteen years into this process, I'm still trying to figure it out. (laughs) I just I make less mistakes. That's all. Okay, but it's not that I don't make any. Believe me, talk to my daughters; they'll remind you. Talk to my wife; they'll remind (laughs) you. I'm not perfect, okay? (laughs) But but I'm not afraid to make mistakes, and I'm not afraid to ask for help anymore.
1: You know. So how do you balance? Uh, I feel like um, it's kind of like teeter totters of things where you're, you if your business needs attention, you have to go okay, now I gotta start figuring out how the heck am I gonna pay the bills this month and pay my employees and start scaling more. Yeah. But then once you start focusing on that, then your wife and your daughter's are like go like, Daddy, husband, why are you not spending any time with me So then you go, okay, all right, I'll spend all this time with my uh, family, but then your business is like suffering and those buyers are put out so how do how do you manage that that teeter totter? How do you calculate that? I
0: love that you use the the the, the metaphor or the analogy of a teeter totter because I think that's the perfect example. And mm-hmm. when we know what we know about teeter totters is, as soon as you apply a certain amount of force to one side, it goes up; the other one goes down. Yeah, and vice mm-hmm. versa. It's this constant thing. So wherever you're focusing the energy, that energy flows. You know, and Tony Robbins famous mm-hmm. for that quote, right? Yeah, where or actually, I think. Is it Tony Robbins? I think it is Tony Robbins, you know, where our energy goes or, or sorry, where our focus goes, our attention goes, our energy flows. And, and we have to recognize this the same when we put our focus on something, that's where our energy goes. But as soon as we're yeah. focused on that one thing, the other thing loses all that energy and attention. So mm-hmm. it's not so much of trying to balance and switch back and forth, but rather trying to discover the harmony between everything that's important mm-hmm. to us. And harmony well, that just means everything tends to work a little bit better together, but also it can be complementary. So when you see one area improve, it actually is connected and you can see other areas improve as well. And what I found, the connecting factor between me being the common denominator between these things, <laughs> you know, yeah. for, in my own life, as everybody else is your own, you're, you're the hub of your life. You know, Everything that extends that you do, it's part of you, you know, and but recognizing the importance of my health, you know, without that foundation of health first, and I'm talking mental health. Physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, right? whole life health. <laughs> when that is in a good place, I can manage the balancing act a lot more effectively. And I also have more energy, to, which allows me to focus more intently, find flow a little bit more frequently, but also produce more in less time. Mm. Because we only get 24 hours a day right? And yeah. 168 hours in a week. And it's like, well, how do we leverage this to get the most, you know? And, and so that's what I recognized. If my health wasn't in a good place, gosh, everything suffered. It all suffered. My relationships, my quality of sleep, which would then affect my productivity, would it affect my ability to just connect with others, Yeah, as well as my own motivation would go down. And so that's what I recognized. And that was the piece. Well, by focusing on that, it was amazing. Now everything just started, to, and I'm not gonna use the term easier, because I, I think that's, well, it's misleading, but it did get simpler. Okay. Simpler.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and, and that was it. You know, that, that's really the biggest piece that made the most impactful, uh, most impact in my life, you know, bottom line.
1: Well, I love that. And, and so just like you said, the common denominator is having good health and uh, making sure you're, you're taking care of yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, how can you take care of your business? How can you take care of your family? And so I, I love the advocacy for that. I, I want to dive a little deeper into you scaling your business. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are some things that you tell people when they come to you and they go, well, I'd like to build an eight-figure company. <laughs> how, how do I do that? Like, What, what do you tell people?
0: Well, I, first of all, full disclosure, it was in the brick and mortar. Uh, so I had a chain of retail mm-hmm. stores that sold fitness equipment, accessories, apparel, and supplements. So it, okay. it was basically it's a big awesome. toy store for, for people that are into fitness, okay? Yeah, <laughs> and,
2: no, it's, it's and, cool. yeah.
0: yeah it was. It was super cool. A lot of fun. Uh, we were one of the, the largest companies in North America, but more specifically, largest in Canada. And uh, we had a western West Coast, you know, British Columbia, Alberta, so the westernmost provinces of Canada. We had a, a really good retail presence. And when it came to Omnichannel, we had a, a you know coast to coast. We, we had online sales, distribution, wholesale, you, you name it. We, we had a lot of different fingers and different pies, so to speak. But it was all part yeah. of the same focus, which was mm-hmm. to help people get greater results with their health initiatives. You know, and, and there's lots of different means to do that. And in the brick and mortar side of thing, for anyone that works in brick and mortar, not just online, because ours was more of an Omnichannel. So we were in all these different areas. But the bulk of the revenue came from retail sales. Mm. Retail is relationships. That's what it is. It's all about relationships. And if you're not very good at creating relationships and serving a community and creating a great culture within your existing operational units, you're, you're working on borrowed time. You know, it's just a matter of time that things will stop working, <laughs> you know, because you can only tap into so many markets. And if it's not the market of people telling other markets about what you do and what you do really well and how you supported them and helped them, especially with making an impact in their life and their health, well, you're, you're missing some really good opportunities for growth and scalability. Of course, we can talk about the marketing, we can talk about the salesmanship, we can talk about all those other little aspects about widget in, widget out, and being effective on the buys and effective on the inventory turns, all the usual stuff that people talk about. But really, when it all got came down to it, it was about those relationships. It was about how many people every day could we impact positively to make the health changes that they themselves have said they want to make. Yeah, And then also not only hold them accountable to that, but support them on that journey. And that was the focus. And we would leverage content marketing in a really big way. And I, I really got into social media myself personally, but also for a corporate brand as a CMO and the COO, I sort of had my fingers in multiple pies as well. And uh, I really love the marketing aspect of things, the storytelling piece, you know, that, that ability to tell a story, but to engage people and help them see themselves in that story. Yeah. You referenced the hero's journey earlier. So prime, prime example, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's, i myself, I was morbidly obese as a teenager. You know, so I can relate a lot. I can empathize a lot with people that are struggling with making health changes. Because of that, it gives me a different sort of approach when it comes to creating content. I'm not someone that came to fitness naturally. Okay, I was on the opposite side of that, that equation yeah. <laughs> entirely. But when I made the shifts, I made a commitment to myself never to go back there. Mm. And, but people struggle with that. So creating a way to communicate that effectively was something that worked really well for us. And I find this is very uniform across businesses, across different groups you know, it's about how well can you connect with an audience, support them where they're at, but also help them find a solution that actually creates the result that they are most interested in because people pay for results. They don't pay for solutions necessarily. <laughs> you know, it's the result yeah, that we all yeah. want. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's really what was at the nut of it if I had to boil it down to something. But there's lots of other things I could talk about. And at the end of the day, it was because I had an amazing team of people that I worked with. Like that's. I, mean, I couldn't have done it by myself. Hell no. <laughs> My partner doing it by himself. Hell no. But we had a great <laughs> team of people that were also equally motivated and inspired to do the same mission. And, and that's what allowed us to scale, you know, really.
1: No, it makes sense. And I, I love that too. Just the, the customer first. And, and yeah, we would love to hear what, what were some of the marketing methods you guys used to become the biggest in uh, Canada and one of the biggest in North America. I mean, obviously, Canada has a smaller population compared to. uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're
0: almost 40 million now. We're almost there. there. We're catching up to California, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Obviously, word of mouth would be great in Canada, but it wouldn't pay the bills for as big as you guys grow to to get that North America impact. So how did you guys go about marketing it um, so largely becoming omnipresent? What did that look like?
0: Well, you know, a lot of it started with the grassroots, quite literally. Mm -hmm. You know, we have these operating units within these different communities, uh, especially like in Western Canada. And and something that I started doing with the help of my wife many, many years ago, this is where we really started seeing everything start to take a lot more traction, was we started hosting events. Mm. Like local events, they were free to attend. And we call them our Sunday Fun Day community. You know, so on Sunday mornings, we say, anybody and everybody come join us at one of our stores. We had a little workout studio in the back of one of our retail locations. Oh. We also had a massive parking lot. So during the summer, we were out in the parking lot. But during, you know, the winter, like it gets winter in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're in New York, you know what I'm talking about here. Really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It gets a little cold and uh, you don't want to be working out outside. So we had the indoor studio. But we would have these scheduled classes that were just functional fitness based. So it's all you Know real life movement patterns, a lot of body weight based stuff, nothing that was super technical, but it was very inviting because it was a community of people that were there to support each other. There was yeah. no hidden agenda, there was no like sales pitch or expectation that they buy something when they're in the store. It was simply come, let us help you get started on this health journey. Mm. And what turned out, <laughs> you know, within a matter of months, we were getting out about 100, 100 plus people every Sunday morning showing up to do these free workouts.
1: Wow. Oh my gosh. And here
0: was the thing. And that was slow because we'd always say, hey, if you know somebody else that would love to be part of this, just bring them next weekend. Yeah. You know? So it was that instant sort of feedback from individuals saying, thank you for allowing me to bring my, my, my sister next week or mm-hmm. my best friend. Or they start to invite more and more people. But something that we started right from the get-go, right from that very first session was at the end of every class, we take a photo. I put it up on social and I tag everybody that was there.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, very interesting. Okay. Every yeah.
0: single time.
1: And to the point, I mean, we got hundreds
0: of these photos now, right? By the time that, you know, when I eventually left the company, I mean, they unfortunately decided to stop running that initiative because nobody internally wanted to keep it going, which I thought was crazy, but yeah, that's another story. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, regardless, it was just incredible, you know, like just because of that reach that you get and the way the algorithm kicks in, but people love seeing photos of themselves. Also, these were people that were making a commitment publicly to get healthy. Yeah, They want to share that with people. They want to tell people, this is what I'm doing for myself. And look, here's the social proof. I was here with all these other cool people. Got mm. supported. Had a great workout. Why don't you join me next weekend?
2: Mm.
0: And it was awesome. And here's the thing. People started buying stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they buy more. Or they come yeah. back in the week and say, you know what? I've been thinking about getting a treadmill. I can't get it in here every day to work out. So, And I'm like, you can come in and work out for free on my equipment. I don't care. Because I know eventually you're going to want to take it home.
2: And yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure yeah.
0: enough. That's what would happen. And, and it was all free, right? Like it, it is, it was an investment of my time, but it was a well worth investment. And that was just one of the initiatives. Then we started doing a lot of community initiatives, fundraiser initiatives, hmm. just really great. Well, let's just say it's very PR friendly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People love to lock onto that stuff. They like to tell a good story, like to feel like they make making a difference. And we just attach our brand. Now, another piece to that, and this is the secondary piece I'd like to just quickly mention is I took an active role in just being a very good advocate. For healthy living,
2: mm-hmm.
0: for living a life by design, for not being afraid to commit to a process that allows you to see constant measurable improvement in your own life, any area in your life. And I shared that journey. You know, my wife and I were a show, don't tell, you know, so we use social media as a way to show, to mentor, to model what we're doing and share what our experience is with doing those things. Sometimes it's not pretty, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, man, maybe that was a little bit TMI there, you know, but whatever, it doesn't matter. That That was a decision we made. Ron, real mm-hmm. is our deal. Now, here's the cool part. I started doing that. Eventually, my personal brand outgrew our corporate brand as far as social media reach goes. Wow! And well, that it created a little bit of riff with my partner and some of the people I, in the company, which was I bet. Yeah. that was sort of the the fissure that I knew eventually would lead us to leaving the company. Like I just I, it, it, the writing was on the wall, as they say. Again, another cliche, but it was very true in this case. Yeah. Uh, but. I got to this place where I was very well branded as a lifestyle expert and an authority in the space. The amount of media opportunities I got were ridiculous, like ridiculous. Like I I got so much free media. They get me to come on or get me to call in. And I'd literally, they'd ask me questions about healthy living, about nutrition, about mindset. And there would always be a little tag there where it would say diamond. Well, and they would have a tag to the company with our web link. Mm -hmm. And I kept getting invited because here's the thing. And for anybody that's watching or listening right now, please take note of this. If you get invited to do some media and you get on there, you just start pitching and trying to sell yourself. You're never going to get invited back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You just won't. You're gone. Like, mm-hmm. forget about it. You will be blacklisted. They're like, hell no. That's like, no, no. It's a big no, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always, from the get go, I, I wouldn't even mention products unless they directly asked me a question. I wouldn't even mention my company name, you know? And, and so they love that. They're like, wow, this is great, you know, because it wouldn't raise any conflict. And they invite me back because they were never threatened or worried that I might try to pitch something, sell something to their audience. Yeah. And that was really good because the amount of reach that we got and free PR that we got from just that initiative. I mean, we calculated hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of free media.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: And, and so that that was, again, another one of the strategies that worked really well. So, again, these are relationship-based, very forward-facing involves time and energy to create the content, tell the story, invite others to be a part of it. It's a long-term strategy, but man, is it effective. It's so effective because also our analytics started to crank up, you know, and all of our social networks, my own social networks, the domain authority with Google and other search engines started going up. So we got to get more uh, free SEO, you know, more search engine optimization, more keywords were starting to rank because of all these other sites linking into ours because we were starting to be seen as an authority in the space that had great content. And that was it, man. Those are the two like real key pieces from a sales and marketing place that that really made a difference for us.
1: And and I think that's so important that you mentioned all that because you know I, I follow a, a a sports highlights account and they talk about how you know one of the reasons why the NBA I love watching the NBA I love playing basketball cool. one of the reasons why it's grown so much as a brand is because rather than just focus on teams people actually focused on people on the teams because people are the brand and like people relate more to people than they do to like mm-hmm. a quotations company essentially and so it makes a lot of sense how your brand grew bigger than the company's brand because you're, you're a person and, <laughs> and people uh, understand people more and so it's a good reminder to like make that a focus and I I know too like for um, you know SpaceX and Tesla like people think oh Elon like but if they don't have like a name that they can or a face they can put to the brand then it doesn't resonate as well. And so did you kind of know that going into the, no. the company? <laughs> I
0: had no idea. I had no idea. Okay. It was a, again, sort of trial by error, right? But yeah. uh, I, I knew that it made me feel good mm. to create content that supported people with their own changes because I, I know that's what also helped me sustain a lot of my changes in life was modeling other people's good habits, Right. Yeah. Uh, as well as the mentorship. And, and I mean, when it real boiled down to, to, to how we learn as a species, as a human beings, how do we learn? The most effective ways is through mentorship and modeling. Yeah. And and so I, I knew that I wanted to incorporate something that will at least empower people to make change. Mm. Because to be fair, change is it's intimidating it's hard like i'm a bit of a movie buff you can tell like all the comic stuff behind me and i'm a bit of a nerd and uh, i got no problem with that i'm a proud nerd and uh, i love my comic yeah. books and some of those greater than life stories but you know when you think back to raiders of the lost ark indiana jones harrison ford that very first movie back in like the early 80s right like he's running away from this massive boulder trying to escape this 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 huge monolith that's you know just barreling down at him Most of us feel like that represents change in our lives, (laughs) you know, Mm. the boulders change and we're like, oh, my God, it's going to kill me. It's going to run me over whether I like it or not. So, you know, adopting more of a a champion's mindset or a a, a positive relationship with change is going to help make us all more resilient. Mm. It doesn't mean we have to love change, but we can be more accepting of it. And then we can also adopt other habits that support us through change rather than being so resistant to change. And, and so those are some other little pieces that I knew I wanted to support people with. And I just started talking about it. You know, it was amazing. Just started talking about it. Just started sharing. This is what's going on for me. Oh, man, I struggled with this. Well, here's something I tried, man. Don't try that at home. You know, like, <laughs> quite literally, yeah. just, here's what happened, you know. And, uh, you know, people caught on and they, they really enjoyed the content and the authenticity.
1: I love that. I love that, and thank you for sharing that. I had another question when you mentioned how you used to be morbidly obese, and uh, you know, for me, my my fitness story is, uh, you know, I, I grew up with the quote unquote skinny family. I'm like, oh, I never want to be skinny, so I got to lift weights and get as uh, big as possible. <laughs> but of course, we're still very very active, and uh, you know, we would never. I guess, I guess we were better about, and I always try to eat as much as I can to be as tall as I could, kind of thing. So the question is. When someone's looking for a coach about losing weight, um, you know, I, I've heard that comment of like, oh, well, why would you listen to someone who's never had the experience of being mm-hmm. obese before? I uh, coaching about being obese, and I guess kind of vice versa. If mm-hmm. someone's like, oh, I ought to listen to someone who's been uh, obese before if they don't know that I've been healthy, but I still want to get healthier kind of thing. Is that, does that question make sense? It
0: does. And I think actually a really relevant example of this right now, if I'm going to take something from popular media is Ted Lasso. All right. Like a lot of people are familiar with the show. It's very inspiring. It's comical, but at the same time they're attacking some very serious conversation, serious topics, you know, some, some sensitive themes, Mm -hmm. but you look at him, here's a guy (laughs) that's never coached football, soccer in his life. Right. And yet he's a great coach, like Mm -hmm. magnificent coach. Doesn't understand the sport. But man, he can get a lot out of his people. He is a great leader. And I think it's a prime example of the difference between coaching and mentorship. Mm. You know, Mentorship is really quite interesting because often when we find a mentor, it's usually someone that's just a few steps ahead on that same hero journey that our, our, us that ourselves are wanting to take you know, or yeah. maybe have already embarked on. They're on a similar journey. Maybe they've already achieved a certain result that we ourselves are wanting to achieve. They can mentor us through the process and say, you know what? I tried this. What you're about to do, I tried it. I tripped here, here, and here. (laughs) You might want to try it this way. Awesome. Because they've been there. They've done it. Literally, they got the t-shirt to prove it, right? Like, here we go. Like That is mentorship. We're coaching, which is amazing as well. I'm not knocking coaching because coaching is very specific. It's a great skill, and it helps people achieve more. You know, quite literally, get out of their own way a little bit more, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that coach has firsthand experience in actually doing the thing that they're helping you to to potentially do. Yeah, And and so I think that's just a nice way of sort of um, providing an example of sort of that difference between the two. And uh, for myself, I've been fortunate enough I've had both, you Mm -hmm. know? And, And when it comes to the fitness side of things and the health coaching side of things, I am in a different position because I have been on the other side of the fence. I know what it's like to be in a state of unhealth. Yeah. I know how it affected me mentally, emotionally. I know how it affected my relationship. So when I'm speaking to somebody, I, I always come from a more empathetic place than maybe somebody that hasn't already had those experiences. That's really the only difference, you know? And mm-hmm. teach their own. It's all about a relationship with that coach or mentor. If you have a good relationship and you're willing to be coached or mentored, you're going to get results you know as long as you're not afraid to do the work and you're not afraid to be challenged a little bit and you're not afraid to be held accountable <laughs> you yeah, know seriously. like <laughs> yeah but but both are very uh serving and help us all with change but uh yeah that that you know was sort of my two cents on that
1: no, I, I like what you said about that. It just goes back to remembering that yeah, there's mentorship and there, there's coaching, and that everyone needs to figure out what what they believe works best for them. Because you could have a coach right. like like you said, who's never been unhealthy, but he's helped hundred people lose a hundred pounds each kind of thing. Where exactly. you've had a mentor who's like, yeah, I know what's been to healthy, and here's what worked for me, and so here's how this can work for you too. So I, I love how you phrase that. I, I want to dive into uh, your, your personal relationships a little bit because I know. Uh, for those entrepreneurs listening, you know I, I read tweets from time to time where it says, Oh my gosh, uh, you should never let your family distract you from building your business because uh, you, you have a business to build. And of course, some people are like, don't spend any time in your business because you have a family to take care of. What's a, a conversation look like when uh, you know that you have to get a lot done with with work, but your your wife or your kids want a lot of extra attention that week? But you know, like this is a pivotal week or two or month in your business that you really got to put an extra hours in, and you really can't spend time with family because it's a short term hard work time for long term growth. How can people have those conversations with their family to help them understand better?
0: Well, I think you, in a way you've also answered the question and only because of that last statement, you know, you talked about the conversation piece. Mm-hmm. You have to have the conversation. <laughs> you know, <Thank> you. <laughs> there, there, There's got to be communication. And I think a lot yeah. of us feel almost guilty to broach the conversation in certain yeah. situations because it makes us, you know, we have a certain expectation for ourselves. And, you know, we, we might have a certain identity that is attached to our ego. And we believe we're, we're X, Y, Z. Like, I, I believe I'm a great father. Okay, but if I believe I'm a great father, that means I have to be present for my family. I have to be there to support them, especially when times are tough. Yes, that's true. But can that coexist with the same idea that I'm a great business owner?
2: Mm.
0: Oh, well, to be a great business owner, I got to be prepared to put the time in. I got to be prepared to hit the numbers. I got to be prepared to lead by example so my team can follow. You know, like there's a heavy weight that we're carrying for there too. Can those two ideas coexist? You know, and I think that's where we run into challenges. I know I did. Yeah. I know that I, I had a certain belief that I was XYZ, but then I believed that to be that, to be a great dad, I had to be there for my family. I had yeah. to be at all the special events. You know, I, I had to be there when they needed help. What I realized is they really just wanted to have the support and know that I was present and aware of what was going on. Yeah. My wife would often say, like, I don't need you there. I got this, you know, like, wow. but if I didn't have that communication, at least have the, 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 the conversation with her. To let her know, listen. Next week, I've got this, this, and this. I me. I got a supplier coming in town. We have a couple, you know, uh, unscheduled visitors coming in, or maybe we got an audit going on. Like whatever. It's like, I know we got this with the kids. I know it's a soccer game, but I'm gonna be really challenged to make that. You got that on your own. You okay with that? Yeah, no problem, no problem. And I'll also talk to my kids about. it. Be like, hey, Chardonnay. Yeah, next week. Yeah, I know you got the soccer game. I've got another commitment. If I can get through that commitment sooner, I'll make it. But the odds of that are pretty low right now. But don't yeah. worry. I know you got a game also on the weekend. I'm going to be there for that one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so it's 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 recognizing that I got to choose my battles. I can't fight them all. But as long as I communicated with my family, you know, it's amazing how much not only do they appreciate, but they felt supported. Because at least we were all on the same page. We were all aware of what was important for one another. And we were there to help each other when we could, you know. Mm. And uh, the biggest thing with kids, especially, is make a commitment and keep it. I mean, that's a good rule in life, to be honest. It's accountability, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> But yeah. especially with kids, especially with kids, because they remember everything. You know? <laughs> they remember it all. It's like, you said you are going to do this, and then you didn't show up. And it only takes a few of those times, and then they'll stop asking you to do stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. They
0: really will. They'll stop asking you to come. They'll stop asking you or even expecting you to show up because just, they've been disappointed too many times. Because yeah. you've said something, and you didn't follow through on it. And that doesn't make us feel good as a business owner, as a As a human being, you know, as a parent, like, and and so those are a couple things that I know I had to work through. I had challenges with because I always had this two identity pieces and I didn't believe that they could coexist. I always thought I had to compromise on one to have the other. Mm. And that's not necessarily so, you know, but you have to be really good at time blocking, managing your commitments (laughs) and not overextending yourself.
1: And I, I take it you're probably in the 5 a.m. club, right? Do you, do you oh, go to 5 a.m. every day? Since,
0: since I was 18. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Since you were 18.
0: Between 4.30 and 5, I don't even set an alarm. I just get up between 4.30 and 5 automatically. Uh, I'm wow. usually in bed, though, between 9 and 10. So so everyone knows okay. I'm, I'm getting in six to seven hours solid sleep every night. And yeah. it's not right about quantity, it's about quality of sleep. Yeah. I do monitor my HRV, I look at my resting heart rate, I also look at REM cycles. So I am a data nerd. I like to watch that stuff so yeah, I can what see what's you going on. With all that. Um, well, usually an Apple Watch, but my Apple Watch is in the shop. I, I don't know, something happened to the mic on it. So I've been without it for a couple of weeks now. And I'm like, I'm like, huh, I'm Jonesing, right? <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> I'm like, What's going on? You yeah. know, but, but I, I'm also a really good read now. For people that aren't familiar with HRV, heart rate variability. If there's one, one data point you need to track to gauge your overall health, that's the
1: one. HRV, interest. Heart
0: rate variability. Yeah, and, tell us uh, about that. Yeah. Well, there's this variance in our heart rate. Right. But you know, think about the love and the dub. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a variance. Now, the greater the variance means the more resilient we are at managing stress, anxiousness, uh, the, the unknowns, let's say, uh that challenge us. And when HRV is chronically low, it's usually a sign that there's something else happening, something systemically, like maybe chronic stress. Maybe we're not uh regulating certain hormones like cortisol you know, which is a stress hormone. We, we need cortisol. Some cortisol is good cortisol, but usually when we get quality sleep at night, that regulates. And, and, you know, we get the sort of uh, nice sort of, uh, because in the morning, our cortisol spikes and is part of what helps us get up and gets us alert for the day. But if you're constantly chronically high on cortisol, and as men, if there's any men out there, and you've got like the best looking four pack, and you just can't lose that bottom ring. I'm going to gamble and I'd be willing to take this bet any day of the week that you're probably not regulating cortisol very well. And it probably ties into your sleep anxiety and either sugar or caffeine uh, consumption. Hmm. I would look at those metrics and honestly you dial those in probably within three to four weeks, whoop, that little weight that you've been retaining there in the, the bottom abdomen whoosh, will probably be gone. And, wow. uh, mm-hmm. But that's it. Like we don't know these things unless we're watching certain data points, and that's where HRV is very relevant. Once you understand how to read that, and on my website, I've got a few really detailed articles on how to do this, why it's important, the ins and outs, and I can share that link with you, and you can share it out later. And yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I encourage everyone. That, you know, HRV is what you want to want what you want to monitor. Don't worry about everything else. Just look at that one.
1: Well, and we'll definitely mention the link at the end of the show too, but just in case someone's listening in, like, oh my gosh, you got a good website right now. What, what is that website? You want people <laughs> oh, to go to? Yeah, yeah.
0: Pretty yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah, Dive just, in World. Oh, sorry. Dai, D A I, Manuel, a man com. L.com. So it's just my name, And com. Perfect. But if you type in HRV and DiamanWorld.com into Google search, it will pop up with all the articles on HRV on my site. And uh, there's three of them, but there's two that rank the top. Those are the main ones you want
1: to look at. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I'm definitely excited to talk more about uh, executive performance. And mm. uh, before we get into that, I want to ask about uh, kids and, and running yeah. a business. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you're aware. And it's all over the news, you know, the world population, or at least not the world, maybe not the world population, but at least a lot of countries, their population is declining because mm. they're, they're too afraid to have kids. It's, it costs too much. It's too much responsibility. It takes away from, the relationship you have with your spouse, it takes away from your business. Tell us more about how you guys approach things and how you are able to manage all that?
0: Uh, that's a really big question. And uh, I, I know it's highly subjective. Uh, we could try to dive into the objectivity, but I'll, I'll speak more from my own personal experience. You know, like I, I knew I always wanted to have kids. So did my wife. Mm-hmm. And so we started having kids quite young. I mean, I was in my mid twenties. She was early twenties. And uh, we knew we wanted to be young parents, but we also knew, I wanted to be a young enough father that I had a lot of life left once they moved out of the house. <laughs> yeah, know, like yeah. mm-hmm. That that was a big part of what we wanted. And uh, we also wanted to travel with the kids. And we knew that, you know, for us to be younger parents would allow us more energy, more time, and just a little greater flexibility, you know, and it was just something that we was important to us. I know it's not like that with a lot. A lot of my friends are just having kids now and they're like in their early forties, you know, yeah. and they're in a different chapter of life, different season, all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, But for me, you know, I always wanted a family, and I wanted a couple kids, and so I checked the boxes, had the couple kids. But I knew that it was going to change my attention because before I met my wife, it was all about me. me, 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 me <laughs> you know. Then I met my wife, and then it was we, 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 we. Yeah, then I had yeah. my kids, and it's all them, 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 them.
2: <laughs> and, yeah.
0: And I had to sort of fumble my way through it, to be honest, uh, of trying to figure out how do I manage all this stuff because. I mean, I was still quite young, very immature, not very well seasoned in life, you know. And so I was struggling just to manage myself, let alone a family. Mm -hmm. And so I can appreciate there's a lot of intimidation around that because it's a big learning curve. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's no turning back on that, right? Like, it's like you're making a life commitment. And so I can appreciate in some countries there might be some intimidation around that. There's the cost aspect to it, but there's the time aspect, which I think is the biggest stressor for folks. It's a big responsibility. Yeah. But I just say it's a personal choice that people have to come to on their own.
2: You mm-hmm. know,
0: and, and I, I really do encourage people to do some life coaching, find some clarity in what really matters most to you, what are your, your, your true values, you know, like what are the non-negotiables? And also, what's the kind of life you want to be living now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Yeah I, my wife and I were really clear on that. We were like, oh, yeah, wow. you know what? By our 40s, like, we hope that we have already traveled with our family. And we know the kids would be of a certain age. They'd probably want to go on to post-secondary if they wanted to. If they didn't, we don't care. Like I don't care if they go to post-secondary.
1: Were you and your wife there, being you know? coached at the same time? Or you guys were self-coaching yourselves? Like, how would you know how to put together those 5, 10, 20-year old like, That's pretty impressive in your 20s. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we had some pretty good mentors. you know. And, and to be fair, like we tried some networking businesses back in the day. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people, you know, uh, network marketing businesses. And we had some uh, wonderful coaches within the Amway business. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of the organizations, their legs is called the Worldwide Dream Builders. You know, they got this fancy term. And this is going back 20 years ago. Yeah. But the one couple that we really connected with, really just on a personal friendship level, not not really. I mean, there was business aspect to it, but, you know, it was way beyond that. Like, to be fair, we never built the business but we love the community and we love the personal and professional development that they offer because in our early mid twenties, we didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And here was this thing. And then we had access to all these cool people and we were getting mentored and coached. And we also got to connect with people that were, you know, 10, 20 years our senior. So again, same hero journey, but just way further down the road than we were. And we had them to be able to counsel us. And so it's just like, Hey, what did you guys do? Well, here's what we did. Here's what we didn't do. And here's what we should have done. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's good advice. All right, well, let's <laughs> let's do some of that, babe. And, yeah. and, and also, we, we started diving into certain books that were recommended to us, you know, like five love languages, key book mm. for anybody in a relationship. Uh, also, there's another book called Conscious Loving.
2: Mm.
0: Another great book It was co-authored by the gentleman Gay Hendricks that wrote the book The Big Leap. Oh yeah. Which I also highly recommend. Anybody in the professional development space, The Big Leap is a wonderful read. It's short, but it's it's really about all those limiting beliefs that keep us down, you know. <laughs> yeah, I love, down. I love the
1: book too. Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you. What's the book that he co-authored. Oh,
0: he co-authored with his wife actually, and I don't remember the name of his wife, but uh, it, it's uh called Conscious Loving.
1: Oh, that, that's the Conscious Loving one, guys. Conscious yeah. Loving, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and
0: the neat thing about that is, you know, there's a lot of talk out there and, and a lot of great content around uh, codependent relationships. And, you know, his whole thing is, you know, you don't want to be in a codependent relationship, but rather be in a relationship where you're consciously aware of how to better support each other, but you're not threatened by each person going after what they individually want.
2: Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, so
0: it's, it's really quite a, a great book. and It also made a big impact for my wife and I. So, you know, th- those kind of things. Like, it's amazing how much information we have accessible to us today. Like, there really no. is no excuse,
1: right? No, I, well, I, I would say the issue is not information, but of course, the filter of information. <laughs> <laughs> fair. Yeah, 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 fair, fair, fair. That's a There's good point a lot either. of bad advice out there too. And, and so figuring out the advice that works best for you is definitely <laughs> tricky to figure out. But, uh, but I sure definitely hear is. you that uh, it, it's good uh, yeah, look at multiple perspectives and at least you know the answer is there somewhere. And, and so going back to the the kids really quick. So yes, yes. You, you guys are still in the middle of building your business. You're having kids. Yeah. How did you, I mean, obviously taking care of a, a newborn up to what, like eight, 10 years old requires full time watching someone. Like, did you guys be yes. re- reporting a babysitter, oh, nanny? You know what? That.
0: That's sorry. I did skip over that. And thank you, Andrew, for bringing us back yeah. to that. So uh, my wife and I made a, a decision early on when we started having kids that, I'd I'd work. I'd continue to work.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: She left her career, you know, and she was working in management in the service industry. Uh, and, you know, service industry are challenging hours at best times, you know, oh, yeah. especially in the restaurant side of things. And we made a decision because we also looked at, you know, what her earnings were and her earning potential. And we looked at what cost of, of uh, you know, childcare is. And then, you know, you factor in not only childcare, the extra additional expenses for extra vehicles and gas, and, and it's, there's so many other factors coming to play. And when we really started to look at that cost, I was like, wow, you're basically working so we can pay somebody else to raise our kids.
1: I'm like, yeah,
0: <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense, babe. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so we made a decision. We knew it was going to be a little bit more challenging.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: we knew that because also any profits that were coming, I kept reinvesting back into the business. And so you know we had a comfortable income, but not so much that it was a lavish lifestyle. But we're we're minimalists, anyways, which also helped. You know, we're not lavish people, so uh we knew we didn't need a great deal of money. Do you know what I mean? Like we we didn't have that added pressure, like we had to compete with the neighbors. You know, and needed a new vehicle. I mean, I drove an old F one fifty four on the floor for years, man, an old beat Dang. up truck.
2: <laughs> I don't care.
0: Yeah. I don't like my truck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: drove that thing into the ground. You know, and. uh like so, we knew to live below our means, which also allowed us that flexibility. So Christy could stay home full time with the kids, you know. But that was a decision that we made together, and we knew it was important to us. And that's just what we did. So oh, I
2: love
0: that. <laughs> yeah, that was just a commitment. Now she's back now in the workforce fully. When we moved back from Bali a few years ago, before the pandemic, we made decisions. Kids were like they're they're old enough now. They're so autonomous. They like. And we got to fight them to try to get time with them now. You know? like, it's it's yeah. so funny because I'm like I feel like my parents now. Back in the day, you know, when they used to try to get my brother and I to commit to showing up for dinner and stuff. I mean, I'm like, hey, we're we gonna see you no tonight or what? You know, like. Yeah. And um, so we're in a different area now, at end of that spectrum. So my wife's now back in the workforce, you know. But to, this is many, many years later.
1: yeah and what about uh yeah so for those who just heard too uh di lived in bali with this family for uh uh, was it two three years two uh, Two and a half years two and a half half years years. so yeah yeah, tell us about that experience would you recommend that every family spend a couple years in another foreign country uh how the the kids are they obsessed with it they want to go back as soon as possible tell us about Uh, that how you recommend it or not yeah
0: well yeah, so I went through some big changes, you know, and, and I won't go into the whole story, but for those that want to get a, a, a sort of a, a sneak peek into what that was, you know, my TEDx talk talks about that. And bottom line is after going through that experience and, and really getting the help that I asked for and being able to, to grow beyond my limitations, my limitation at that time was I just... I was really struggling with that ego and identity piece, you know, and, and being more than just my business, being more than just the entrepreneur, uh, even though I was doing a lot of other things and people's perception was of greater than that. That's how I looked at myself. Yeah. And that was very limiting. And I got help and I worked through that, you know, and as I went through that, I discovered there was a lot of other things I really wanted to do in life. I also realized this, and this is the one that I know a lot of people cringe at when I say it because they cringe because they're like, oh man. I know exactly what you're saying. That's how I feel. So I'm going to share this with a grain of salt. Yeah. I realized, because my business partner at the time, my first real business mentor was 20 years my senior. Wow. And I realized, you know, after a decade of us working together, building this business, uh, I started to think about what am I really building here? What am I chasing? And I realized I was chasing his life. Mm. And I was looking at all the things that he'd achieved because he would already had a successful business before we partnered up. You know, he'd already just, he had a lot of success already. You know, his kids were already in university. Like just, he was at a completely different stage of life. And so I was looking at what he was and what he was accomplishing. And I believe that's what I wanted.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then I eventually realized, I was like, I don't want that. I don't want his life. I want my own life. And this isn't that important to me. I want to do this. So things changed because all of a sudden I realized this boat that I'm in, it's going in this great direction. We're scaling. We're building a great business, making an awesome impact. But I'm like, I want to get off it. I don't want to be on this anymore. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And when that happened, I, I gave 18 months notice. I knew I was going to make some shifts. I wrote a book during that time. I, I, I Then it ended up leaving the business. And my wife and I made a decision. You know what? I quit my job. <laughs> she had just recently gone back into work part time. She decided to quit that job, pull the kids out of school. Gave away all our stuff, the things that we couldn't replace. We put into storage and we said, okay, let's go traveling. Wow. And we had no plan though. Okay. Like we're bad examples of this or maybe we're good examples. I don't know how to look at it, but all the people decide that themselves, but we had no real plan other than we were going to go south and chase the sun. Mm, so I was in that. Canada during winter you know why I said, no, we're going south. And so we, we, we made our way down to California and visited some family and friends. And I had just published the book. So we had opportunity to meet different communities in different areas. And, and so it was sort of an impromptu book tour, if you will. Eventually though, we decided to go overseas because the, the main reason why we stayed in North America was my father was dealing with pancreatic cancer. Mm. And so we knew we didn't want to go too far because it was just a matter of time, you know, and, and so also because I made that shift and freed up that time, I had the opportunity to spend the last six months with my dad during that end of life period. Yeah, that was my family did too. We moved back to Ontario, just outside of Toronto. We got to spend that time with him. Had I not made that change and left my company, I wouldn't have had that ability. I just wouldn't have. So it's it's interesting how our choices. even though right now we think, you know, maybe I'm making the right decision, maybe I'm not. You'd be surprised what doors open up when you close some. And it was a nice reminder of that. But anyways, my dad passed and we're like, okay, you want to go overseas now? We're like, yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm. So we thought we'd go to Bali for three months. Word of advice, everyone, if you go there for a few months, be prepared to stay for longer. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> <Really? Yeah. laughs> we got trapped and uh, in a very good way, though. And yeah, we uh, chose we,
1: to be trapped. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah we did. We yeah. ultimately yeah. chose to be trapped and we ended up staying there. Uh, you know, we signed a one year deal with a lease and then came to the end of the year. And we're like, oh, I want to stay another year. OK, let's stay another year. And um, because we always knew we wanted to give our kids that opportunity for some education yeah. to really experience cultures by living within the cultures. And that was really what we wanted to do. It was life schooling. Like we were not tutoring our kids. We weren't doing homeschooling. We were just life schooling. And
1: Wait, what's, what, what's life schooling?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hey, there's a park over here. Let's go to the park. Let's look it up on Google and tell us all about this park. Oh, Hey, there's a museum here. Let's go to this museum, kids. Oh, interesting. Okay, you got to research yeah. the museum. Tell us about what we're going to see. You know, we're, we're going to this city. Can you go research a city? Tell mom and I, what we can look forward to learning when we're in that city, tell us a bit of the mm. history. So through travels, we were asking them to do the self-learning, which was good. You know, it really helped them. And they continued up with their math and their arithmetic, you know, uh, sorry, uh, math and and English, like language and writing. So they kept the base skills. And then we just said, when you're ready to go back in school, you tell us if you want to. And sure enough, though, they played the card. And that's why we actually moved back from Bali. Just so you know, full disclosure, I wasn't ready to come back. That's (laughs) the only reason. (laughs)
1: Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, because
0: my kids wanted to finish high school here and that was fine. And, and so yeah. we did what's called uh, uh, condensed tutoring. We basically hired some tutors, went all in with the tutors for about two months to get them ready to go back into school. And that was great. And we were able to do that. And also just so everyone knows in Canada, it's a little bit different. They they can't hold you back grades here, which you know can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. But yeah. uh, they were able to go right back in that. We had to challenge it with some, some testing, but they were able to go right into the grade that they should be. in. But here's the thing. When kids want to learn, they're going to learn. Yeah. They wanted to go to school, both of them, straight A's, you know? And I'm like, are you sure you're my kids? Because that's not how I yeah, was, you know? Yeah, and it's It's different when we're motivated to learn for ourselves, you know? And, uh, and so that's sort of how that happened. And uh, it was a wonderful journey for about five years. And here we are. We're back in Vancouver, and I love it here, too. So, I, I mean, I'm not, I miss Bali, sure. I miss the sun. I miss the warmth but summer's almost here.
1: So it's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and that, that, that's so fascinating too. You talked about, you know, the desire to learn. So I know like, you know, obviously I'm glad I went to school and graduated yeah. from university, but like, you know, I consider myself a quote unquote lazy guy. Like if I can avoid <laughs> going to school, I'm, I'm going to avoid it at all costs. And so I'm sure uh, <laughs> um, surely your, your kids, you said mostly because like they miss their friends or like they, you just taught them the importance of how fun it is to learn. Like, how'd you convince them to move from Valley to go back to school in Canada. That's a big shift.
0: (laughs) They decided to move back though. That, That was the whole thing. They wanted to move back to Vancouver. They wanted to experience high school because they missed all the middle school years. Yeah. Which I actually think, you know, in hindsight, especially when we got back to North America and we started getting them back into the school and to those communities and we started to compare them to some of our friends with kids also that age, our kids were light years ahead from a maturity standpoint and a life experience standpoint. Yeah. All the drama, especially all this, the like, and I, I feel for parents, especially when I look at the impact social media is having, the negative impact yeah. social media is having on our kids today. Our kids already had a filter and a way to filter through a lot of that negativity to not let it even phase them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They, they get drama in their high school. And they're like, they come home, like, oh my gosh, these kids are just kids. Like, they're, they're I, I, my one daughter, you know, even at 15, she's like, she's talking about one of her good friends at school. And she's like, oh, she's all about drama. I have no interest in that Dad. I just said goodbye and I came home. <laughs> like, I love you, baby. Yeah. And so there's lots of benefits to, to this exposure to the rest of the world Yeah, to travel with the family. and You don't have to do what we did. You don't have to go for years, even just take a month off. A lot of people have the flexibility to take a month off work or take a leave of absence, right? Even get away for that three solid weeks and go live within another culture and another community. Like, you know what? It, it is a great way to impact your kids and help them learn really fast, you know? And, uh, and, and so I, I give it to my wife because that wasn't my intention at any point in time to go traveling like that.
1: Interesting. It was yeah. all my
0: wife driving that boat, And uh, I, and I'm so glad she challenged me to do it because it changed my whole perspective on life. You know, it really did.
1: Are uh, either of your daughters entrepreneurial at all?
0: Well, my, my youngest, uh, it was interesting during the pandemic, I uh, got, I think, we're stuck in isolation, right? And um, during the lockdown, I got back into collecting comics again. And I got, collected too many of them. And my wife's like, dude, you, you know this is taking over the, that extra room in our house. And she's like, you got to do something about this. And so I, I, I agreed to start paring down my collection and, and selling it. And I was very fortunate. My youngest daughter took an interest in that. And so we, we actually do have a, it's a hobby business. I mean, I'm not doing it to retire or anything by any means, but it's something fun that we can do together. So we do some comic shows. We've done a couple like a, a comic con We we've gone, set up a booth. And, and so she's has this, uh, cause they used to help me a lot in my business. They would come and do the functions with us. They would come to any of the special events or conferences at times. Uh, we always took our kids and exposed them to that stuff. Uh, cause why not? Like even my Toastmasters clubs that I was a member of, I would take my kids to them. And you know, oh, wow. not all the members were always supportive of that, but I was like, I didn't care. They're my kids and I want to expose yeah. them to this. So tough deal with yeah. it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, it was a great way to also educate them. And, and it also matured them really well because they can carry conversations with people much older than them. People always w- would walk away from them Cause like, how old are they? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I felt like I was talking to someone in their thirties. I'm like, eh, well, they're, they're just mature enough. They know how to handle a conversation, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but that was a couple of those little instances, you know, where it just, yeah. Anyways, I, I digress. But uh, I don't know if that even answered your question. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, oh, I think you're talking about the comic books. So they help you? Oh yeah, Carmen, comic books. Yes, <laughs> she, she, she helps me with
0: the comic book sales. Now. Got it. So okay. she's taking an interest <laughs> on you know with our eBay store and doing some online stuff, managing the, cool. the Instagram account. You know, like she's she's taking an interest in that. So yes, um, and then uh, so yeah, that, that's really the entrepreneurial side of things. As my youngest is really taking an interest in that.
1: No, that's very, very cool. It's good to see it passed down. That's what happened to me. I grew up with the entrepreneurial father, and so it's good to have that awesome, inspiration in your life. Uh, I was the same
0: way I was the same way, by the way. You know, oh, my, good, I, yeah. I, my parents and my my mom always had a side hustle as well, and uh, so that was like what I grew up around. You know, just seeing that all the time. So it was it was a pretty natural progression for me to move into that stuff too, just like yourself.
1: Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Well, I know we have a few minutes left here. So a couple uh, questions um, left. How do you battle imposter syndrome um, when you're going as far as, uh, oh my gosh, I'm running successful businesses. I'm doing what I love. I have an amazing relationship with my wife. I have kids who are smart, mature, and actually fun to be around. (laughs) Uh, How do you accept that to have be okay with things going okay, essentially?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I uh, Full transparency, you know, I do struggle with that still, time to time. Mm-hmm. And I find when that little voice in my head starts to overpower my main voice, you know what I mean? That We have a certain way that we can speak to ourselves, that we can condition ourselves to, to, to respect ourselves, to love ourselves, to accept ourselves. But every once in a while, that little negative voice takes over, right? And I have to ask myself, why is that voice all of a sudden getting the megaphone? Mm. You know, what's going on right now? What have I been doing or not doing more importantly, that's allowing that power to shift to that negative, negative side of me to take over because really I'm no different than I was the week before, but why am I feeling this way about myself this week? And I have to start to look at the things that usually when I'm not doing consistently, I look at my sleep patterns. You know, I, I look at my relationship with my wife, my kids, you know, am I still feeling connected? Am I getting that that relationship deposits, you know, that love deposit from my family, you know, because if I'm feeling disconnected in those areas, it starts to affect me personally. And that little voice starts to take over. And so it's a matter of trying to right the ship, so to speak, you know, get back to doing the basics that I know will make me feel better in the instance. And and so my wife and I, uh, we have this little thing that we'll give each other permission to have FOFR days. So F-O-F-R, and, and I invite anybody else to do this. Now, I, F, the first F is the F word, okay? Uh, I don't know if we can swear on this, but I'm just going to say this the F word, yeah. and it's off from reality. F mm. off from reality days. What it is is we give ourselves permission to take a day, clear our schedule, and do nothing but self-care, mm. One of my favorite things to do on one of those days, because I, I know I'm feeling bad or I'm down or my energy's in a bad place. I'm like, oh man, I don't want to do any interaction today with anybody because I'm not gonna be my best self. It's not gonna be positive. I'm not. I'm gonna walk away feeling like, oh, I could have done this. Could you know? You start second guessing everything. And so in that moment, I know I need a hard reset. And for those that are as old as me, you remember back on the computer keyboards, Control-Alt-Delete. Yep. (laughs) The hard reset, right? So this is basically the hard reset. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll schedule in a massage. I'll get a haircut. Um, especially during the winter months because I'm affected by SAD, seasonal effectiveness disorder, mm-hmm. lack of sun. So you can imagine living in I'm free in Canada, <laughs> six months yep. of the year, it's like, oh my God, I feel sad. Um, so I'll go to the tanning beds once a week, you know, and just so I get a little bit of that vitamin D. 10 minutes is all I need and I feel better. Wow. So I'll, I'll haircut, massage. I will uh, go for a quick tan. I'll go for a walk or a bike ride if the weather permits it. I'll get a workout in. I'll eat some really good, healthy meals. Lots of greens, lots of veggies, lots of fruit. And you'll being amazed just doing that. And that could be just my morning. I feel freaking awesome. All of a sudden, I'm like looking in the mirror. I'm like, oh, there's that guy. <laughs> there he is, you know? And, and literally, like it's, it's just giving yourself permission to prioritize yourself. And I'm not saying take weeks and months. I'm like, give yourself four hours, three hours. I mean, it doesn't matter because you're worth it. You know, you're worth it. You're worth the little bit of time because it's going to make such a difference to how you interact with those that matter most to you. And and really, that's why we do what we do, isn't it? It's for the people that we love, you know. And 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 so that is something that we started implementing maybe, gosh, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. And it makes a big deal. I don't have them that often, but I actually had one last week. I had an F O F R day last week. I just wow. wasn't feeling myself. I was feeling down. I don't remember even why. But I was like, Christy, I cleared my schedule more. I'm gonna have an F O F R day. And she's like, Good for you. You know, and like, yeah. yeah, thanks, baby. You know, and uh, and so that's that's the strategy that's really worked well for me.
1: I love that FOFR uh, and, and and I like what you said too that you know if you are feeling down if you're not feeling as grateful or as happy as you should be uh, I like what you said you said you know what's your brain trying to tell you like what why is that voice showing up like what's it trying to get at because maybe there is some danger you're overlooking, or maybe there is, like you said, a relationship that you're not uh, paying attention to and something you could be focusing more on. So that's a good way to put it. So trying to ignore it is like, oh, trying to embrace it more, essentially.
0: Exactly. And and to be fair, I didn't mention as well, but turn off all the devices. Mm. Just Mm. because it's an FOFR, it doesn't mean it's Netflix and chill day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You
0: know, it also doesn't mean it's a consume a lot of social media day Mm. because you'll find that that will impact your mental state. Especially if you're already in a down state, it's amazing how that social media, those filtered shares that people put up can affect us negatively, psychologically speaking, you know, and, and so it's, it's conserving how we feel and protecting ourselves. So turn off a lot of those inputs, whether it's negative or positive, don't worry about just, just, just turn it off. Don't worry. When you turn your phone back on, it's still going to be there. You know, you're not missing anything. Um, But it's important to unplug so you can plug into yourself, you know? And, And so that's just one little piece. And I forgot to mention that.
1: Well, I love that too, and like maybe like give the password to your wife or something, and said don't don't give it to me until the end of the day or something. So, yes. Uh, yes. obviously for Face ID, I guess that doesn't work. But
0: uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, she can. Hide I just it, turn it you know? off. I turn it off. I got yeah. just like off, and, and I leave it. I don't even bring it with me. You
1: know? well, I love that. Let's see. I know we're coming up on time here. I gosh, yes. I have so many questions I want to ask you, guy. You're so fun to talk to, full of knowledge, um, exactly. and it's just it's so it's awesome fun. hearing the nuggets you have to share. Uh, I, I know your your one of your ambitions is to help a million role models around the globe. Um, I'm curious, uh, how are you working on doing that? Or are you, and how close are you uh, for us tuning in? It's awesome to follow along the hero's journey. And of course, he's our guest today. I love housing the hero. We're curious, how, how are you going about um, going after that?
0: Well, it's a hard thing to quantify for sure. All right, and but it doesn't mean I'm not after it and going for it. But you know, rather than just inspiring the individuals to make changes for themselves. I'm like, do that. It's a great place to begin. But once you've gained that self-awareness, self-knowledge on how to write the ship, so to speak, you know, get yourself back to a place of thriving versus feeling like you're barely surviving. Once you've been imparted with that experience, it's amazing because on the hero's journey, they talk about it, right? You get to the top of that hill and it's like, Whoa, I made it here. There's a lot of people that helped me get here. And when you turn around you look back, there's a bunch of people at the bottom of the hill getting ready to go. And they need some help. They need some guidance. They need that guide that can help them get the journey started or maybe navigate the middle of the journey, the end of the journey, whatever. I want to try to inspire others, you know, educate, inspire, and motivate them, hopefully in a fun way, to, to then themselves turn around and now mentor a few other people to do the same thing that they've done. And that's all I'm looking to inspire. Again, I don't need to do it. You know, I, am I'm helping who I can help, but if you've, if I've helped you, please go help somebody else, you know, like, and that's all, like, I'm like any content I've got, I don't care. Take it, do whatever you want with it. If it's going to help and you can share with somebody else to help them generate the same sort of impact and they can do it again and again and again, I feel really good. And I sleep well at night, you know, so through my book, through my content, through my speaking engagements, through the media appearances. I mean, there's so many things that I do, but that's all the underlying purpose of why I'm doing it. You know, is to try to make a greater impact in this world. And so, when I leave, whatever, when I'm 130, 40 years old, because I do intend to live to that age.
1: Well, All right, okay. We'll okay. see. I mean, I might get hit
0: by a bus. Who knows, right? But yeah. but regardless, my ambition is to live a long life. Yeah. Not just longevity, but have my vitality, and and I want to be able to s- see through that when I leave this planet, I can say, hey, I'm leaving it better than it was when I got here. You know? And
1: yeah.
0: And that's that's really part of my life mission, and I feel inspiring role models is a way to do that.
1: No, I totally agree. I love that. Well, Thanks. the last two questions are: How can we best contact you, Die? How can we get a hold of you, connect with you? How, how can people reach out to you, learn more? What's the best way to do that?
0: Thanks, Andrew. Uh, well, I, I'm a pretty social dude, meaning that you can connect with me on pretty much any social platform, and it's I'm easy to find because I got such a unique name. Dai, D A I, is a Welsh name for David. Manuel is Portuguese, M-A-N-U-E-L. Yeah, I know. Everyone's like, well and Portuguese. Whoa. <laughs> hey, I'm Canadian. Don't worry about it. Okay, so uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, But if you can spell that name, you'll find me on any platform. But if you want to connect, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, I'm most active on. If you shoot me a DM, I only ask for a little bit of grace because I don't let anybody else touch my communications.
2: Mm-hmm. Nobody
0: nobody on my team I like I do that myself wow. but I do ask for a little bit of grace cuz if I don't get back to you right away don't worry I will get back to you it just might be a few days um but but that's the easiest way to get a hold of me you know just shoot me a note and say hey I heard you and Andrew talking you know here's my life ambitions you know like here's what I'm doing to change the world and it's a great place to start a conversation you know
1: well, I love that. And the fact that you're so open to accepting requests, too. And people are like, oh, yeah, I'm too busy. But in fact, it's actually you, too. Not like, oh, this is Jessica from Dice Team. It's like, oh, it's me. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: it's just me. You know? so it's, it's all good. But I, I, I've i always, I like that. Okay, I like connecting with people. It fulfills me. It makes me feel good. And and it just gives me an opportunity to to live into that goal of inspiring a willing role model. So, you know, I welcome it. Bring it. Bring
1: it. Love it. And then the final question is, what's the one takeaway you want someone to have from this interview today?
0: You know, change is going to happen whether you like it or not. Mm. Buddha, like 2,600 years ago, okay, a guy much wiser than me. (laughs) He said, there's only one thing we know to be absolutely certain. It's that nothing stays the same. Mm. This universe of ours is impermanent. Everything's in a state of flux and a state of change. Now, It's funny, fast forward 100 years, science caught up to say, hey, you know what? Buddha was right. He's absolutely correct. That (laughs) is the nature of the universe. It's just Mm -hmm. a bunch of space and everything's changing. When you accept that as a truth, change becomes different, you know, And, and it becomes something that we can embrace. It doesn't mean we have to like it, but we can embrace it, work through it, but also be an advocate for change in our own lives. And I, I hope that's the one thing that people take away is that you feel a little bit more positive about change. And next time you see it coming, like that big boulder chase in Indiana, <laughs> you're like, okay, I can move out of the way. I don't have to freak out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's coming anyways, right? So why not have more fun with it and, and, and learn how to make it a positive rather than feel like it's a negative? And, and so that would be the one takeaway I'd love people to take away today.
1: Oh, an excellent takeaway. Indeed. Well, thank you again, Dai. This has definitely been a blast. Um, for those tuning in, definitely reach out to Di on social media, on his website. Uh, if you notice the energy and uh, knowledge he brings today, just imagine what he can bring to your own life. So with that said, tune in next week for another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss, and we'll see you all soon. Bye, everyone.
2: That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being
0: unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.